Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Seaspire Steven Universe Fan Podcast. This is episode 38, and we'll be talking about the last episode of Steven Bomb 3, Friendship. I'm GC13. I'm Ken. And I'm Hunter. Okay, so where do we want to start? I want to talk about the abuse my girl Pearl suffered in this episode. <laughs> I, I think even for a desperate gem, she was a little out of character, and I know why they did it, but that doesn't make me any happier about it. I don't feel like she was out of character, though. This is, like, exactly how she would respond to the yeah. situation, in my view. I think Pearl was very well well portrayed in this episode of just being frazzled, desperate Pearl. Uh, definitely not her finest moments, but that was kind of the point. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I just, I just think they were a little hard on her. I mean, one person did, did, did bring up the point that you guys make. She's kind of playing on tilt right now, but mm-hmm. I just don't know. To be clear, I thought Pearl was very frustrating in this episode. I did not like the way she was portrayed in that I did not find it entertaining, but I do think it was in character for her. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. But, uh, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna try to get on my pretentious high horse here, but, uh, Steven Universe has definitely made it, made a few crosses into walking the fine line between entertainment and art. Yeah. Whatever that is. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I I liked Pearl's portrayal uh, in the fact that I didn't like Pearl's portrayal, and that was sort of oh, really? the, that was sort of the point that they were trying to put across. She was just this desperate, frazzled, like trying to scrape together a last bit of dignity. I I, I didn't think it was going to end this way. I thought it was going to end with Pearl breaking down even further. Like Pearl was going. To, I, I was really hoping Pearl would turn into like a Batman villain. <laughs> No, I can see where you're coming from. About at the six minute mark, when like there had been almost no progression towards Pearl and Garnet coming to a resolution, I was like, there's no way they can resolve this in the next five minutes. So the only thing that can happen is that Pearl is just completely broken at the end of this episode. So yeah, about six minutes in, I thought that was going to happen as well. Also, uh, who called? Um, I think I said Opal. Uh, who said sar- who said it would end with Sardonic? I was calling Sardonic. All right, all right, all right. I was as well. I mean, it, it, it made, it intrinsically made sense to bookend it. And then, then you see that it's just the perfect redemption arc. Yep. I did like the payoff we got though, cause Pearl's talking about she's just a Pearl. This is kind of what we observed with her talking about in Sworn to the Sword, how she's not built for fighting. Now she has come out and explicitly stated that pearls are a subservient class of gem. And I think that's the first time any of the crystal gems have referred to themselves as part of a whole gem race, like part of the pearls. Well, Amethyst isn't going to know anything about what other Amethysts are supposed to be like. Mm-hmm. We, we suspect that they're kind of like Jasper, but we don't know because we've never seen one. Yeah. And Garnet is a fusion. We don't know if there are non-fusion Garnets running around, and we know that the homeworld does not like long-term fusion. I mean, they, they're okay with it for battle, apparently, but nothing else. So really, Pearl is the only one who truly exp- who feels like she's part of a gem class. That's interesting. I never thought about that before, of like, if there are gems out there that they are the same gem as the fusions, but they're not fusions. Yeah, could could we see a single gem Sugalite? That's interesting. I never thought about that. Yeah, it is interesting. Mm. Up until this point, I would have put the gem class theory into just that into a theory class, but I think this is, like, the first really solid confirmation that we had, even though it was pretty well supported before. Yeah, I mean, I think Jasper's line in the return, calling Pearl a lost, defective Pearl, pretty heavily implied it, but Pearl came right out and said it in this time. I mean, it's it's explicit now. Right. Well, there's still some people I saw on the subreddit who had an alternate interpretation in which 
I don't really remember what their reasoning was, but it was plausible. It- I'm, I think I know what you're talking about when they said that they, they were saying that Jasper meant defective as in a defector, but that would be Jasper making a play on words because defective does not mean a defector. It means broken, having a defect. No, I mean, even in this episode, for what Pearl said, there was what I consider to be a pretty plausible alternative explanation. Yeah, I haven't caught that. I haven't caught that interpretation yet. I, I, I'm definitely sure that we can settle on that. Or we can at least assume that the Pearls on uh, Homeworld are more so of a subservient class. You know, like a, she said it herself. She needs someone to tell her what to do. And that's why she likes doing the laundry. Mm-hmm. That's why she followed Rose. And why she, in in a way, is still following Rose. Oh, now she's raising Rose. We need to make that spinoff. But yeah, it's this. This was a this was an interesting episode for all of the characters. Oh yeah, Amethyst again. Being Amethyst the... again, blowing us out of the water with this maturity. Yeah, definitely, really was digging Amethyst in this episode. She was on point. She was very combat effective this time too. In addition to being emotionally mature, she's much more potent in a fight these days. Absolutely, and I think that's that's the first time we've seen outside of the mobile game Amethyst do the the role. Has she done that before? She did that in the Watermelon Steven episode, oh, and then okay. she did it again to Pearl in On the Run. Okay. Yeah, Amethyst the Gem Hog. Gotta 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 go quickly. Mm-hmm. Talking about being combat effective, Steven in this episode. Jeez. Oh, oh yeah, God. when Captain Delmarva throws his mighty shield. Am I right? One hundred percent. That Steven. He's definitely become, like, it's not a becoming thing anymore. He's already become, and it's now just uh, seeing him worked into the ranks. And he's just got to keep leveling up. Yeah, most definitely. In the previous weeks, we've been doing these retrospectives on the earlier episodes in the series, and I've been, like, continuously venting how frustrated I am with Steven in every single one of the earlier episodes, or at least in most of them. But here, Steven, this entire week, everything in season two, absolutely perfect. He's such a great character now. Well, our next retro episode is going to be Tiger Millionaire. I think he was pretty good there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's about when the series starts to be a lot less frustrating for me, I think. It's because Tiger Millionaire is an amazing episode. For sure. Mm-hmm. But didn't, did anyone else catch, uh, like, the sheer amount of parallels between uh, this episode and, like, Saturday morning cartoons? Yeah, and I yeah. hated it. <laughs> I loved it! Right, for <laughs> one, every time they found Paradox, Steven came out with a little quip. And then even in the very end, uh, Garnet and Pearl each had their own. And also, we have Paradox, who just the... This stellar representation of a Saturday morning cartoon villain. I agree with you a hundred thousand percent, and I hated every single second of it. <laughs> oh God, I love it so much. Yeah, I I preferred Peridot back when she was a more reserved character, but I, I am kind of amused by just how manic she gets when she's frustrated. I I think I remember. Okay. Uh, a few episodes ago, I said Pearl had elevated to my favorite gym. Um, that has changed once again. Paradot. <laughs> Paradot, so good. Well, I'm glad someone likes it. <laughs> somebody, somebody needs to post a picture of just a video of Paradot with her helicopter going on and the Sonic 2 boss music. <laughs> just loop that for an hour. Yeah, I just, I just want Sonic 2 with Paradot. 
But yeah, good episode, I think. Just to come out and say my blunt opinion, I didn't really care for this episode all really? that much. Yeah, this episode was kind of a letdown. Until the conversation with uh, Pearl and Garnet towards the end where they really start to have their like resolution to their conflict, I thought it was a very, as you said, Hunter, like generic Saturday morning cartoon plot. And I didn't like how things were progressing. Once it gets to that emotional core of the episode, I thought that was done very well. Dee Dee Magno as Pearl, I don't think I've explicitly said this yet in any episodes, but I really, really enjoy her voice acting and mm-hmm. she's able to convey so much emotion so convincingly. I really enjoyed that scene. But even after that, it kind of devolves back into being this generic Saturday morning plot, which Steven Universe often kind of dances around, but it almost 100% of the time can subvert it. But I do not think he was able to do that here. Yeah, the, the first half of this episode was just mostly Pearl being frustratingly dense. And I, I thought that they had plenty of time in the earlier episodes of The Bomb to really set up how Pearl was feeling. So I, I don't think they had to key it up as much as they did. Yeah, it, I, I will admit this definitely had a case of like the daytime cartoon uh, syndrome where not as much, but where, you know, the episodes where the entire plot revolves around an issue that one of the characters has that has only been brought up in this episode. Like they just now start acting in this extreme way. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about, but it wasn't as extreme because we got hints. I don't want to say hints of it because it it really was it in uh, the previous episodes of Steven Bomb. But it was extremely, well, extreme in this one. Yeah, they they overplayed it, I think. Mm But can we can we talk about the lore? We have ancient gem spaceships, so another win for gems traveling the stars in ships. Oh right, yeah. But yeah. we also have a landing site that I, I haven't looked too closely, but it looks to be around Columbia or where Columbia is in our world. Wait, how do you know that? They showed it on the map when Pearl was doing yep, a production. Yep, it was in like it was in Upper South America. So it's right there around Columbia. Yeah, in or slightly to the southeast of it. I, I can't remember how close to the coast the x was all i know is I, I don't know if it was the projection that the globe was using or if brazil really is that huge in stevens you know earth i think it might have just been the projection because it, it looked like it was sticking out in a bizarre way mm-hmm. so again this is another gem place in the american con- on the american continents and I'm not saying that the gems only go there, but they do seem to cluster around there. So yeah. again, I'm, I'm wondering if the Americas used to be a no-go zone for humans, and they pretty much had the run of the rest of the planet. And like I said, the I'm looking forward to one day them hopefully doing an episode that really delves into how their history is different from ours. Mm-hmm. I'd like that. I don't. I don't see that happening because that would. Well, let me let me phrase that. I don't see them delving into any sort of history that involves homeworld or other gems because that seems like too important, like too big of a thing for them to just do in a you know historical episode. Well, eventually Stephen's going to have to learn about the war, so at least we can get some hints from what's going on there. And I think we're getting there. You know, he's he's grown like we've said before. He's grown quite a bit, and I think he's almost there to the point where. He can be, like, easily respected. Right, yeah. He's coming into his own as a leader, and he really has been since the test. One thing I am disappointed, though, by uh, regarding Steven is um, in the new intro, I reserve to call it the season three intro, but that the, the intro that everyone got recorded on their phones. Yeah, the, the expanded intro. Uh-huh. Yeah, the expanded intro. I know what you're going to say. Well, a lot of people were disappointed that uh, in Amethyst's whole bit, it was mainly just about protecting the place she was born and like nothing deeper than that. 
Which I don't really have a problem with. Yeah, I mean, it's the only planet she's ever been on. She doesn't have this sort of, like, wanderlust that the gems that, like, Pearl has, or this content that Garnet has, you know. Amethyst is comparatively young. But what really dis- what disappointed me was uh, Stevens was just, uh, it was something to the effect of, be whatever everyone around me wants me to be. And I was a little disappointed with that. I don't like, yeah. Steven, I don't like you because you're everything everyone else wants you to be. Like, you're a likable character because you're you, despite all the differences around you. Like, you, at, at one point or another, you were the stark contrast between the serious, skilled, and mysterious gems. You know, you were our vessel. And we, it was great. Well, it's true that he has some pretty big shoes to fill. He does, he does. But I think, like, sanctioning him off to just become, like, instead of being Steven Universe, being... Rose 2.0. It's not really fair to his character. And just not even like arguing with the series, arguing with the, like, those who write the story. Like, he was very adamant about that. Like, that was his thing. Well, he's really young. At, at his age, he has to look up to his heroes. And I, I don't see how he could have any bigger hero than his mother, considering how the other Crystal Gems idolize yeah. her and how he kind of is. Half of him is her. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I mean, the problem here isn't that it's unrealistic for Steven to feel that way. The problem is, if I'm understanding Hunter correctly, that if this is supposed to be a good thing for Steven to feel, if we're left to assume that the writers wrote this into the expanded theme because they think this is a good ideal for Steven to have for himself, then Hunter and me as well, we disagree Yeah, that's what that. I'm getting at. If this is just being written in there because... Steven needs, like, something to overcome. This is just a thing for him to overcome so his character can develop further. Then I think this is a very reasonable and very good method to expand or explore Steven's character a little bit more. But if the writers think that this is a good ideal for Steven to, like, aspire to, then yeah, no, I agree. It's kind of unhealthy. Yeah, I... I can at least hope that this is all part of a bigger picture in which he goes through an arc. Um, a lot like, he goes through a self-identification arc, a lot like Amethyst did, in which uh, he then grows even more strong. And I can see that arc ending with, like, a new power. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's a good ideal for a young hero like Steven to have, to live up to the expectations of an established hero. I don't think that's a bad thing. Now, we do know that Steven is destined to surpass his mother because of monster buddies, because everybody knows he's gonna gonna start healing those monster gems eventually, and I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened this season. I really expected them to focus on the corrupted monsters. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm seeing the corrupted gems as sort of this not unattainable goal, just a goal that never truly gets attained. Not so much like as a like like a video game goal, like this is something you will eventually complete, more so just something to reflect upon his character of that he wants to complete it and in his lifetime he will. If they don't if they don't heal Centipedal by the end of season three, there's going to be a Oh, riot. I want Centipedal just as much as you do. I mean, at the very least she has to join the crew in her partially monstrous state. Well, how do you think she would feel about the gem? I guess it depends on what side she was on in the war. And, like, how she came to be? I don't know. That's a lot of interesting opportunities here that I, I don't think we'll see the fruition of. But I'm going to call it right now. All right, I'm going to say, if me and Ken are right sir, in the interest of them not using that extended intro as a sort of standard, but more so as a tool for Steven to grow. Yep, yep. I'm going to call it uh, Steven's having 
identity crisis. He's trying to be uh, extremely like Rose, trying to help everyone like Rose, and he just keeps tripping over himself. And it involves Connie. Hmm. He ends up uh, just like in the middle of a battle, just like falling to his knees and just, I can't do this. I'm not her. And then Connie like comes in, you don't like something to the effect of like, you don't have to be. And uh, that's when she takes up uh, Rose's scabbard, as we've seen in the intro. Well, they did kind of hint at something along Stephen having an, uh, the beginnings of an identity crisis in We Need to mm-hmm. Talk, where, you know, Greg and Connie have their human beings moment, and he's like, human yeah. beings. I can I, I can see right, right. the climactic moment of the culmination of all that's happened in the series and the episode it happens in of, I can't relate to you, I'm not human, I can't relate to you, I'm not a gym, what am I? And Connie or Greg take like just takes him by the hand. You're Steven, and that's all you need to be. And then big ol' happy moment, uh, new power. Connie takes up uh, the scabbard. They beat the monster. Hoorah. I would be shocked if that didn't happen after hearing that. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> So we did have we did have a blink and you miss it inclusion of the you know the Diamond Authority logo with all four of the diamonds on there. Oh yeah, I saw that. Bene- beneath yeah, beneath the screen where they're watching Garnet and Pearl have their little heart to heart. I thought it was going to go a different way. I thought it was going to go with like Stephen was going to try to stop it. Like instead of Amethyst, I yeah, I thought he was going to jam his shield in there. I didn't expect her to use the whip. I thought he was going to like go go to like some analog station and like try to stop it and realize uh, and like everything starts glowing and then on the the four sided. Uh, the pink, the pink one, lights, one up. lights up. That's what I was hoping for. Yeah, the gears were pink. Yep. So I wonder wonder if that had something to do with Rose. I mean, the the holographic display was pink. That might have been Rose's ship that they were on. That That's an interesting thought. But can we talk about this ship, this quote-unquote vessel to travel from homeworld to Earth? Why, why is it that a vessel used to travel great distances is all that we've seen of it a giant booby trap? Yeah, I was kind what of wondering are, what about are that. Spikes doing in the corridor. What is that room for? Yeah, it doesn't make any. They sense. might have been alterations made after they arrived yeah. to keep humans out. By kit, ah, uh, but then it, then it couldn't right. be Rose's ship. <laughs> well, this was before she got nice. Remember? Yeah, yeah, she was at one point this war, not warlord, but this like battle mistress. She would. I, I don't know what the what the homeworld gems are up to, but she was. You know, good enough to be considered one of the top four. So you gotta imagine, she probably wasn't all that nice in her earlier days. Oh man. Maybe a little uncomfortable about what was going on, but you know, she does what she's gotta do. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, back back when Rose had very little characterization, I was kind of anticipating them on going that direction with her character, you know, even during and after the Rebellion, you know, because we, we saw how secretive she was. I, I was kind of figuring her to have retained a lot of a hardcore side, but for the most part, the generally nice one seems to be the real personality, and all that, all that can lead me to assume is a I-do-what-I-have-to-do attitude yeah maybe it was a maybe it was another case of how pearl was or the pearls were um on homeworld of uh rose course was just sort of born into the life of tactical general when you know you got that whole deep inside really a good person sort of thing and uh maybe that's why she fled to earth yeah pearl pearl showed that she could transcend her her class Maybe Earth was her sanctuary, like that. This was the place where she didn't have to do that anymore, except for that that one last battle. Yeah, because that that might be what Lapis was talking about when she said she never believed in Earth. Because we know Garnet likes Earth because she's allowed to be a fusion mm-hmm. there. Maybe Rose kind of intended it not just as protecting the 
life that was already there, but allowing gems to be free. Maybe that's what Lapis didn't believe in. So Earth is just sort of like the new world of, you know, like, colonial England. Like, religious freedom, freedom of everything, just freedom of everything. Much more cosmopolitan yeah. compared to a deeply socially conservative homeworld. Uh-huh. Interesting. I mean, we, ju we just have to wait, because we can only guess at this point. But that's kind of where my head's at right now. Yeah, I can see that. Considering considering how progressive uh, the writers of the show are and the, the show itself is, I can definitely see the homeworld being portrayed in that light. So I think people are going to be very upset if we do not briefly talk about Peridot's outfit. Hold on. Hold on. Uh, I, I regret to say I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah, I have no idea either. Uh, she, she jettisoned her foot. Oh, that! <laughs> uh oh, okay. I mean, the outfit, because people were, is, it, is that armor, or are they cybernetic enhancements? And we learned that, yeah, it's basically a bionic foot she's rocking down That's there. That's rad. Okay. But the, but, because we know it can't be, or it's not likely to be a physical defect in Peridot that forces her to have that. It totally could be, though. Yeah, it's possible, but my the assumption I'm working under is that Peridot simply knows that she's going to be working in this suit, so when she regenerates, she makes a form that doesn't have extra legs, you know, because the suit's going to provide her legs. Interesting. I do like that. Because that make the suit doesn't have to be as big, because it doesn't have right. to have this hollow space in the middle. It's just practical that way. I can see that. But yeah, because people have speculated about that for a while. You know, does she have actual limbs under there, or is that suit her body? And I guess we know now. Yep, the, the suit is a different entity in, a, in and of itself. Seemingly. Well, they captured the little foot. Now they just have to wait for the giant foot. I was fuming by the end of this episode of all of these failed attempts to catch Peridot, and I thought, oh, it's going to turn around at the end. That's classic drama. No, it. she still gets away! Yes, status quo was kept. It was annoying to me. I was, mm -hmm. ugh, it infuriated me so much. I just, I want, I want this to be a thing now. I want, I want their interactions. And we're just left to wonder, what is causing Earth's expiration date? And why doesn't Peridot want to be around to see when it's going to come? I, I, I forgot all about that. That's something, that's something we should address. And like, the, the show just sort of like passed over it. Yeah, I, I, they think they just want to set the groundwork. And now the next maybe 10 episodes, we're going to have a few episodes sprinkled in there that kind of allude to something's wrong. And the Crystal Gems will kind of wake up to this. And I don't know if that'll be mid-season or probably season finale material. I mean, has the kindergarten been draining resources, you know, to do the, you know, cluster experiments? Peridot got something out of there, and she doesn't need the kindergarten itself anymore, so I don't know how it could be that, but... Is it the geode? Is it something else that we have no idea about? I mean, no, I I wouldn't. They, if they made the point to mention this, I'd imagine uh, it would be something that we could trace back to. Okay, because I'm thinking this is something where in the future we'll trace it back to this. I'm thinking it's probably something we don't know about. I don't know, but don't know. either way, that's an important line. So definitely going to have to keep our eyes peeled and our ears open because. The, the next few episodes might, one of them might give us a hint. Have have episodes been announced, or are they going to go on another hiatus for another Stephen Bomb? The word that I'm hearing is that we're going to be on a hiatus until sometime in August, and then weekly episodes after that. That was supposedly said at Comic-Con, but I haven't looked for the video myself. All right. All right. Okay. That's what I would want them to do anyway, so I hope it's true. I think I prefer the layout of the Stephen Bombs instead of just normal 
uh, every week releases. I definitely you prefer so? weekly. Only other things I wanted to mention were Stephen had some good lines. I liked him saying good morning and have a nice day or have a good day to Paradox. That was yeah. really that was, funny. That was cute. Have a great weekend. I, I couldn't yeah. exactly get a solid mood from this. Like there were parts where they were trying to destroy each like what is the end goal are they are they trying to poof Paradot or are they just trying to capture her? I think that if Par- that if Pearl wanted to poof Paradot, she could have put her spear straight through Paradot's chest while Steven was latched on. Yeah, her. but Amethyst almost crushed her with like a giant pillar. And like while saying uh something Destroy Yeah, destroy. I don't know. I guess they're just flexible about it. I mean, maybe Pearl didn't <laughs> want to take the chance of Peridot putting Steven in between her and the spear, because that would have been a real risk. I don't know. I don't think that they would uh, they would take so casually the act of, like, trying to poof Peridot. I don't know. I think Steven might be a little squeamish about it. I don't think poofing's that big a deal to the gems. It's just a hazard to doing business. It's getting your gem cracked that's the problem. Yeah, I don't think they really care that much. They totally could have cracked your gem, though. They could have. Yeah, Pearl has really good aim with that spear, and that was a very close range shot. I do want to mention the ratings for the for this Steven Bomb. Last Steven Bomb, the ratings slowly went down. This Steven Bomb, the ratings slowly went up. Now we won't have we won't have ratings for this episode until you know Monday. But we almost we got close to 1.9 million for historical or for historical friction. Oh, nice. So we will see you all on Monday when we'll be doing a retrospective of Steven Bomb 3, The Week of Sardonyx. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Ken. And I'm Hunter. Our opening and closing music is by James Roach. For more Steven Universe fan-related content, please visit LunarCSpire.com. Thank you for listening.